Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Let's begin today by reviewing key themes identified in our prior podcasts, going back as far as a year or more ago. After that, I'm making available the most recent UCLA Anderson forecast presented at UCLA about two weeks ago. The Anderson forecast link is posted on our SoundCloud podcast page for free access to the entire national California and Los Angeles economic analyses. Finally, following our objective of bringing to you the latest perspectives of leading investment managers, we include a link to a recent 18-minute interview with Ray Dalio, who heads one of the world's largest investment funds. In this interview, Mr. Dalio discusses the risks and anticipated rewards in store for us in specific asset groups, including cryptocurrencies. His viewpoints are particularly valuable as he founded and has managed the world's largest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, most successfully for well over 30 years. In plain speak, he puts his money where his mouth is and, in the process, has outperformed almost every fund manager for several decades. His opinions are well worth listening to. For those interested in reviewing the content of our prior podcasts and maybe checking our track record of bringing to you the major issues before they play out, please do access any and all of our prior podcasts as you wish. They cover the pre-pandemic environment, the real-time pandemic challenges every two weeks as we live through the pandemic, and now economic expectations for the balance of 2021 into the first half of 2022. Here are some of the key issues and risks we focused on. Again, trying to anticipate future challenges and even future economic scenarios so as not to be caught totally off guard. First of all, over the past year plus, we've discussed employment and jobs. By this time, it's pretty clear we have a dual labor force. And one part of that labor force is very well paid. They're homeowners. They are professionals or business owners. And they have significant amounts of savings. Unfortunately, the vast majority of Americans fall into the labor force component on the other end of the spectrum. They are renters. They are people facing jobs. Their jobs are in the lower annual compensation ranges, and they have been the ones who have been particularly hard hit during the pandemic. Overall, across all the jobs in the United States, we've experienced a labor participation rate that has dropped from 67% to about 61% since the dot-com bust in 2000 or so. That's a big drop-off. And yes, we do have new retirees as a part of that. But we also have 7.5 million Americans who are stopping the receipt of unemployment benefits. And that's starting just about now. That's more than five times the 1.3 million people who lost aid in December of 2013 
as the country worked its way from the Great Recession. Meanwhile, job compensation for many in restaurants, lodging, and transportation is getting ready to launch much higher, in my opinion. Recently, truck drivers are demanding and getting record pay increases, with some earning over $200,000 a year, and actually some much higher than that. I saw one article which indicated a truck driver was receiving an annual pay of over $600,000 a year. That's really unusual, but the pay increases that appear to be in the pipeline for transportation, hospitality, restaurants, are going to be percentage-wise very large. And this is going to play out over the next six months or so. Secondly, supply chains. Supply chain disruptions, as I'm sure you see, are real. As mentioned last podcast, container rental fees from China to the U.S. are up seven times from a year ago, with record numbers of ships unable to unload in the major ports, with both port worker and truck driver shortages. Just today, the chairman of one of the largest booksellers, not Amazon, indicated that he felt that there would be large shortages of hard copy books for the holidays. This is not unusual. We know there are shortages in new cars due to semiconductor shortages. We know that there are shortages in food items, which is a result of supply chain issues. And we have recently seen a lot of these shortages result in significant price increases. In addition to the container leasing costs and in addition to the trucking compensation costs, there is a significant amount of inflation, in my view, that is already in the pipeline due to supply chain disruptions. And these supply chain disruptions appear to be long-lasting, certainly through the year, if not well into next year. So the inflation numbers, which already are being reported at 5, 6, some cases 7%, and the producer price index, which has been hitting record highs, close to 7% recently. In my view, this is going to be more the norm. We're going to see much more of this. Let's talk about personal income and buying power. Again, we have a almost a bipolar environment. We have the homeowners who have high perceived wealth, large savings, and large increases in their stock and bond portfolios. And then we have the majority of Americans who are not in that position. And many in that category are, I would say, desperate. The good news is that home prices are expected to be up another 5% over the next year. The bad news is that rentals are expected to be up 15% plus starting really now. And some of the rental price increase I've found has to do with apartment owners who expect there could be another moratorium. So they want to get the prices up as much as possible now. Hoya Capital, who I've mentioned and brought in with links on prior podcasts, is highly recommending apartment REIT businesses for investment, the ones that trade publicly, because importantly, they see the very large rental increases coming up pretty much across all the metropolitan markets in the United States. That leads to inflation. In recent podcasts, we have talked about a stagflation environment. In fact, we talked about this a year ago when I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone else who was warning of high inflation and stagnant economic growth. Now it's pretty clear that we are in a stagflation environment. 
food prices are increasing, energy prices increasing. You know gasoline prices have increased substantially in the past year. Rents are increasing. Merchandise prices are up for several reasons, supply chain issues being one, and the supply chain issues quite apart from the transportation supply issues. That leads us to debt. Pretty much a foregone conclusion that the massive amount of debts that the federal government has undertaken, the new debt, is going to lead to a national debt that's just not going to be repayable at all. And that's now with the 10-year bond yield or the interest rate for 10-year notes bonds at 1.6%. In a prior podcast, I indicated we needed to watch the 10-year bond yield very carefully. And that was when it was just over 1%. I had indicated that if it would increase to 2%, that would be a red flag warning that those who owe large amounts of money, particularly the federal government, are going to have issues and deficits, possibly new financial crises. Well, we've gone from about 1.1% to 1.6% as of today. So let's keep an eye on that 10-year bond yield. 2%, unfortunately, may be just around the corner. The debt issues lead to financial market risks. And financial markets, I include stocks, bonds, real estate, and some include crypto. So I'll include crypto. And the risks for bond and stock market sell-offs are escalating pretty rapidly. But that doesn't mean the stock and bond markets won't be at high levels in 10 years or 20 years. But for this year and next year, the risks are escalating. And I've mentioned this before, looking toward year-end for a major correction or reversion to the mean in the stock market and the bond market. I'll include a few more comments in a few minutes. The residential real estate market in terms of pricing is beginning to slow, but still increasing. And the Anderson forecast, which I'll get to, discusses the residential real estate market potential price increases in California and more specifically, Los Angeles. In total, the Federal Reserve is in a trap. They can only create more money to buy more of the federal debt. And that is monetization. And that is what has led every other country who has practiced creating money to buy their own bonds into serious financial issues and devaluations. It's a world reserve currency, which means 70% more of contracts around the world, oil, you know, gasoline, natural gas, shipping, merchandise, about 70% of world trade is in dollars. So the risk is not today or tomorrow or next month, but there is an increasing risk of dollar devaluation and the stronger currency in the long run, I'm sorry to say, maybe the Chinese currency, but we'll see. They have their own financial issues right now with large amounts of debt. It's thought that their debt issues will not cross borders. I'm not so sure about that, but they are working through their version of a Lehman Brothers meltdown that we went through in the 08-09 recession, and that's kind of where they are now. So as long as China is dealing with its own economic issues, the dollar has a ways more to go. In other words, we can push the debt more and we can increase the risks, but we still will likely remain a strong reserve currency. So for the next three years, four years, five years, 10 years, I'm not so sure. And the final issue that is a big issue that pretty much affects all of us all the time is the internal disharmony. And the obvious example of that is no cooperation in Congress and also militancy 
and totally lack of communication, lack of constructive communication between the two major political parties. Where this will lead, I don't know, but I don't know that this is going to lead to a very good place over the next year. And this will likely keep present issues in an expansionary mode. In other words, the Federal Reserve will keep issuing new money. The U.S. government will keep issuing more debt. And inflation will ramp up. And we will have risks in the financial markets. So with that, I'm going to move on to the Anderson forecast, which I thoroughly recommend you view. It's a long forecast, but if you could find time to listen to the first 45 minutes or so of the forecast, I think you would benefit tremendously. Please do utilize the link that we provide to access the latest Anderson forecast. They have updated their forecast pretty significantly based upon the continuance of COVID risks and the slowness of recovery in travel, particularly international travel, and also in the face-to-face businesses such as retail, hospitality, and restaurants. They are expecting a significantly slower economic recovery in the next quarter and two, but they do expect a continuation of home price increases in California and Los Angeles. However, lower than this year, they expect 5 to 8% increases, having to do a lot with a continuation of trends of moving to outlying areas from the major cities, and actually, overall, a lack of adequate home building over the past years since the Great Recession. Additionally, there has been a change in the home ownership, which I think most people are aware of, renting group is becoming larger, and there is also a potential shortage of rental housing. So please do access the link we provide, and an important part of the Anderson forecast is really two major pieces of research that are included in the forecast. One part of the research focuses on those who are jobless, chronically jobless, at the lowest end of the economy, and those for which increasing subsidies and housing and food subsidies are continuing to be provided. And this research actually shows that this group, unfortunately, is going to continue to be left out, if I can be so bold to say it that way. But that group being left out is likely not going to impact the recovery growth In my words, not the Anderson School's words, but in my words, the numbers are going to show a recovery in gross domestic product. The numbers will continue to show job growth. However, it's going to be really uneven. Fewer people will have the higher paying jobs, and they would generally be in the homeowning category. And those who have really benefited by not only residential real estate price increases, but also stock market and bond market price increases. And the group at the other end of the spectrum is, again, unfortunately forecast to sort of remain in that category with the larger growth numbers overall kind of hiding that category. This has been a theme for pretty much all the podcasts that we do report higher growth. We report low unemployment generally, but we are leaving out more and more people. More people are dropping out of the labor force. More people are receiving entitlements and more people are facing stresses with food price increases and rental price increases. So the overall numbers are going to look good, but internally, unfortunately, it's not going to look that good.
and that's kind of the continuation again of a long-term analysis. The other research that is included in the link is work done by Professor Ed Lemer. He actually founded the Anderson Forecast. He continues to add his intellectual property to the forecast, and I may unfairly summarize a lot of his hours and hours of research, but his data indicates that the Federal Reserve may not be able to control inflation based upon the past history since World War II of Fed activities during periods of inflation. There are many other variables that influence high inflation with the conclusion by him that the Federal Reserve does not have the tools and that inflation is more of a expectation after it emerges. In other words, the fact that we have a high inflation economy now translates to the expectation that we'll have it next quarter and the quarter beyond that. He refers to inflation as a persistent issue, one which the Federal Reserve tools have a great deal of difficulty handling. Now, Jay Powell, who heads the Federal Reserve, would take issue with that, first of all, because he has to. He has to appear in control, whether he is or not. He has to appear to have the tools, whether he does or not. So that's kind of the expectation. But once inflation is accepted as an issue, that is, and I think we're there now, I think that's happening that is when the risks really begin to multiply. Higher interest rates, stock market sell-offs, bond market sell-offs, and so forth. Overall, in last week's podcast, our key topic is and was reversion to the mean. In other words, the change in direction from the high-flying stock, bond, and residential real estate markets. Some of the largest managers of the world's largest hedge funds, family offices, and sovereign wealth funds have increasing concerns about market corrections or, in plain talk, sell-offs. Since they control many trillions of dollars of short-term investments, I pay attention to them. This is not to say that stocks, bonds, and real estate won't be higher in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, but they will return to the average long-term rate of appreciation, and as they do, many will lose money in this process. As a reminder, if a 30-year U.S. Treasury bond pays 2.1% interest today, and that bond is faced with a 4.2% interest rate environment, the price of the bond will drop by about a third. In brief, if you hold, say, $25,000 in a long-term bond fund, or you own a long-term bond, and interest rates go from 2.1% to 4.2%, and they were at 4.2% only 10 years ago, so that's pretty realistic. Your monthly brokerage statement would show a decrease in value of your bond from $25,000 to about $17,000. Pretty significant. If interest rates would increase to above 10%, as they did in the 1980s, your $25,000 bond investment would be worth only about $3,000. So that would almost be a total loss. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just suggesting you think about the future risks as we are in a major credit bubble with interest rates at historical lows. They can go one way. They can go up. When they do revert to the mean of the long-term interest rate trends, which, depending on the period you're using, are certainly 4% or more, most definitions of long-term, you can use 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, by most definitions of what long-term means, bond prices and stock prices can fall like a waterfall for a year or longer. They have many times before. They will. I don't know the date, but I think we're near it. 
Ray Dalio manages almost $200 billion in assets for about 300 clients. His clients include central banks, like the Bank of England or the Bank of Japan. They include university endowments, and his clients include public and corporate pension funds, as well as his own money. His views, in my judgment, are incredibly valuable, as he and his 300-plus professional staff are evaluating world financial markets, trends, interrelationships, and risks on a 24 by 7 basis. His analytics and judgments have kept his firm as a leader in getting high financial returns year after year. So please do access the link provided to an 18-minute interview with Ray Dalio. This was about two weeks ago, and he talks about his perspectives on China, the stock market, the bond market, cryptocurrencies, and I think no matter your background, you will learn valuable information from this 18-minute interview. In the meantime, take care, be safe, continue to be vigilant. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.